Previously on Colors. One thing I love about about Black press is that we can tell Black stories. And this is a Black story of success and progress through and through when we're looking at Wes Moore stepping into the role of governor here in Maryland. Alexis Taylor is the managing editor at The Afro. And she's telling us their story. And she's talking to us about Maryland Governor Wes Moore's story. And she's doing it in the style of the Afro. Here at the Afro, I believe that we tell both sides of the story. We tell the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, But then at the same time, we do have that lens that we're looking through, which is the Black lens. And so some people might call it a slant. Coming up in this episode of Colors. Carol Magruder, co-chair of the African-American Tobacco Control Leadership Council, and their fight to ban menthol cigarettes and flavored cigars. In addition to the nicotine, which is the addictive part of cigarettes, but menthol, it cools and numbs your throat. It dilates the alveoli in the lungs, so it allows the toxins to go deeper and stay longer in the lungs. And even though Black people generally smoke less than others, we have a lot more death and morbidity from smoking than other groups. That's coming up in this episode of Colors. Simmering racial tensions. Segregation now and tomorrow and forever. Fighting injustice. I have a dream. Conflict looming. Brutality exposed. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. The search for solutions starts here. From WTOP in Washington, D.C. This is Colors, a dialogue on race in America. Check the mic and make sure it sounds right, boys. John Escohawk. I'm uh, a citizen of the Pawnee Nation of Oklahoma. Julie Pham, Vietnamese, American, born in Vietnam, living in Seattle. My name is Wendell Osbrook, uh, African-American, uh, Washingtonian. My name is Charlie Locke. I'm white and I'm from Oakland, California. During this Black History Month, health advocates are calling on the U.S. Food and Drug Administration to deliver a historic victory for black health by quickly finalizing a proposed ban on menthol cigarettes and flavored cigars. Products the tobacco industry, according to the AATCLC, has long targeted at the black community with devastating impacts on black health and black lives. Carol Magruder, co-chair of the African-American Tobacco Control Leadership Council, is with us to discuss this. Carol, thank you for joining us on Colors to talk about this very important uh, issue. I've got a few questions for you, uh, and, um, you know, I'll just ask you these questions one by one and work through the list. And um, I think when we're done, hopefully we'll have a good understanding of your efforts and what your objectives are and um, how this is impacting uh, the space that you're working in. So the first thing I'd like to do is say welcome. (laughs) Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. My, my first question is, you've given us the name of your organization and you've told us a little bit about it uh, offline, but just uh, now that we're plugged in with our audience, tell us what your organization is and what your objective is. 
Yes, so we, our organization, our council, we were formed in 2008 in California. And really in response to many of the cutbacks uh, we were experiencing through uh, with our um, Department of Public Health there. And uh, coincidentally, the year after that, in 2009, President Barack Obama signed the Tobacco Control Act. And in that act, and this is where there's a lot of confusion with Black folks in particular about people trying to take menthol away from, menthol cigarettes away from Black people. But when the original Tobacco Control Act was signed, all of the other flavors in combustible cigarettes were taken off the market at that time. And it was generally recognized that flavors attract and hook children. We already knew a lot about menthol and a lot of what we know about menthol is from the tobacco industry because they had used, they had the money to do the research. And they, for example, they knew nicotine was addictive long before the US government did. Um, and so menthol has so many different properties in addition to the nicotine, which is the addictive part of cigarettes, but menthol, it cools and numbs your throat. It dilates the alveoli in the lungs. So it allows the toxins to go deeper and stay longer in the lungs. And even though black people generally smoke less than others, we have a lot more death and morbidity from smoking than other groups. Well, this is um, some pretty remarkable information. And I think in some ways, many of us have heard this before. Um, you know, there have been television ads and we've seen some of this stuff kind of uh, discussed in newspaper opinion pieces, et cetera. But it's really sobering when you hear it coming one to one from a person who's working, um, you know, out on the uh, the battlefield, shall we say. So. Explain to us what your effort is doing, how, how you're attacking this problem. So, yeah, so what our, our mission is, our website is savingblacklives.org. And we were saving black lives before Black Lives Matter. We were came before them. Um, and we're working to save the 45,000 black people who die every year from tobacco-induced diseases in this country. And that is more than everything else that's preventable combined. It's more than officer-involved shootings, which... Uh, breaks our heart and, and, and gets our attention. And when we see, you know, video after video of, of, of Black people losing their lives at the hands of, of, of police, which is a huge issue in our country, um, more than other, more than car accidents, more than AIDS, more than all these things combined. And so in the past 20 years, we've lost almost a million people to tobacco-induced diseases. And that's directly. So there's secondhand smoke. They're all things floating around, but the direct smokers. And so, and the people who we lose are, are, are people like me, who I'm a very vital part of my family. People are depending on me and they need me to be here at least another 20 years. So when I die prematurely, that um, discombobulates my family and my community. So we lose our parents and our grandparents who are the foundations of our families and our community. So the harm that it does, it's not just taking a life, but it's destabilizing a family. And it also causes that family to have to put all of their attention and resources into working with that person until they transition over. Because, you know, it's a four or five year, oftentimes you have emphysema, you have COPD, you have diabetes with amputations because you're a smoker. So the drain is, 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 is uh, it's, it's just really incalculable, the drain on our community from these products. And so our, our, our mission is to get them off the market and to work on the demand and the supply, because at some point we have to stop drinking Kool-Aid. We have to stop, you know, they, yeah. we know they targeted us. We know they put these products in our communities. They give it away to children, giving away to people like Dave Chappelle. That's how he started smoking. He got 
free cigarettes when he was 14 years old in Washington, D.C., in the Metro, which was a common practice. And these things were not done to other folks. They were explicitly said, don't do this you know, in the suburbs. Don't do this to white children. This was reserved for our community. And we still have that legacy that we're living in 2023. And it's time to, to end that legacy. And it's time to call it out like you're doing. And I think that's absolutely important to call it out for what it is. It was a deliberate, malicious attempt to kill people. That's yes. the, end of the day. That's really what it was about. And make money at the same time, which is the most despicable part about that whole process. Lots of money and the money piece of it. And so this their 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 targeting of us was on so many different fronts and facets. So there's the the seeding in our community, giving the addictive products away to people, to children. Then there was also our media. So Jed Ebony, I grew up on Jed and Ebony. That was, those were huge publications. We didn't have black publications growing up. Those were, and so those, those publications were actually built on Newport advertising. And so, and when our people see something in our own media, we have a different relationship with our newspapers, with our with our black media, because they that's what saved us in many in many respects. Our newspapers were were built on the ending slavery and 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 uh, addressing our civil rights issues. So our papers, when they have these advertisements or when they're silent about this issue, that is one of the most important issues facing black people in this country. That complicity um, is also very harmful, and so and that's about money. And we have to one of our, one of the things we want is we want our people to stop taking money from the tobacco industry. Yeah. So, Carol, how are people that you share this message with people in the black community in our community? How do they respond uh, as a general matter when you share this information with them? When I share this information, JJ, it's you know, we've been really working this menthol issue more intensely these last 10 years. And so I've given lots of speeches, presentations, but when we really started educating people about menthol, their eyes light up because they've lived it. They understand it. And what people think of as a free choice, they see how these, you know, you you eat from the pond, the fish in the ponds in your neighborhoods. They see how we were manipulated. As a teenager, I went to uh, the Cool Jazz Festival in Oakland, California to see Marvin Gaye. And I remember thinking how wonderful it was that cool cigarettes, they were supporting our artists and they had all their paraphernalia out there in the colors and everything was so nice and so first class. And so that sucking in of people, that is, um, you know, that is that is one of the main vectors of how they get to our community. You know, I went to Hampton University and every year, I can remember this was back back in the eighties, the cool jazz festival. <laughs> Same deal. You know, yes. there was a so press. people right. So people really understand because they've lived it, they might be addicted to themselves. They might have might have seen their own family members who are succumbing. Um, so that's that's one camp, and that's the majority of us. And so our national organizations like Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated, they were one of the, the first major groups to take this issue on, and they have really dug in. So they have passed national resolutions supporting taking menthol off the market. And I know we're going to talk about the FDA in a minute, but initially we were, we were trying to get the FDA to do something. Um, and then we actually ended up suing the FDA because they weren't doing anything. And now hopefully this year they're supposed to do something. But along with the other African-American organizations are NAACP, 
passed a national resolution in 2016 supporting um, taking menthol off the market. And the important thing about these organizations is, is that they've stuck because the industry, they never give up. And so one year, an organization, they might have people in there who are fighters who have passed something. And then the next year, you know, financial situations change. The industry comes back with a little money and they switch their position back. But these organizations have held fast. We know that the tobacco industry cartel has made overtures to them to try to flip them back. We know that the tobacco industry cartel, they have really uh, been sprinkling money around with, with our Baptist ministers in particular. Uh, we have a minister, Sheffield in Detroit, they offered him $250,000 and he turned it down and publicly denounced it. So, so that's the other side where we have our organizations, our brains, our thinkers who know that these products need to come off the market. And then we have other folks who are benefiting from the tobacco industry largesse, consultants or other donations who say that what we're doing is going to harm our people and that it's going to um, result in more officer-involved altercations, such as Eric Gardner in New York. He's the person that they show as what can happen when tobacco policy goes bad for Black folks because yeah, he was well, choked to death there in New York, allegedly for selling Lucy cigarettes. Yeah. And our position is we the biggest wolf is the industry. Exactly. So That's we got to deal with the big wolf along with these other reforms that we've been working on since we've been here in America yeah. um, and that we will make headway on, but we've got to do both those things at the same time. Yeah. I mean, that's just nonsense. That whole myth that this is going to make crime worse because they're no longer there. I mean, to some degree, this whole marijuana thing too, that needs to be dealt with. And, uh, you know, I'm not, not going to get into this because this is not what we're talking about today, but I'm going to tell you, a lot of people are running around um, upset and angry because they don't have a certain amount of licenses to be able to sell marijuana products. And look, smoking weed is no different from smoking cigarettes. And there are people who walk out of their houses every day inundated by plumes of marijuana smoke yes. all day long, all night. And people are running around talking about we need to do this so that we can give back to the black community or people of color. You're not giving anything back by giving them a marijuana dispensary uh, to sell marijuana. Um, you know, you're not doing anything. It's not changing policing. It's not changing anything except you're creating another outlet for people to go out there and do something harmful to themselves, and you're giving them a license to do it. It's like liquor stores, okay? <laughs> but that's a whole other conversation. Yes. <laughs> what you're talking about here is menthol cigarettes, and we'll stick to the script today on that. And I want to ask you about the FDA. Give me your appraisal, your assessment of what the FDA is doing about this. Yes. Yeah, so when so when President Obama signed the Tobacco Control Act, the FDA menthol was just left off. And, and what saved us while we're even having this conversation is that the Congressional Black Caucus, under the leadership of Dr. Donna Christensen, who was a representative for the U.S. Virgin Islands, they got a menthol amendment. So that forced the FDA, that charged the FDA, it put it at the top of their to-do list, that they had to do something about menthol. They had to examine it, they had to study it, and they had, they needed to decide what, what should be done. And so since that time, and so the tobacco industry, with all of the resources that they have, that's all they do is delay, they obstruct, they, they uh, you know, confuse everyone. And they're part of the, the they're part of the, committee that supervises the science on this. So they don't have a vote, 
but they get to hear all the information and they get to influence and to, and to create mayhem. So the FDA overall, these years since 2009 till nine, they've had studies, they've had papers, and they have publicly said that taking menthol off of the market would be in the best interest of the public health. And so countries like Canada has taken it off, the European Union has taken it off, and we're still here. So we actually initiated a lawsuit, our group, uh, the African-American Tobacco Control Leadership Council, the ASH, which is the Action on Smoking and Health, the American Medical Association, so our nation's doctors, and the National Medical Association, our nation's Black doctors. So what is the situation that's so bad that the doctors of, that, of the country needs to sue their own government to make them act? And so, and that made the FDA act on a citizen's petition that had been filed some years ago. And they're actually right now in the process as we speak of taking these products off the market. So it's a long convoluted process and it starts with them putting a draft rule out. Everybody gets to comment on it. That's happened. And now we're in the, we're waiting for the final rule. And so we know that the further up you go and we see this unfortunately every day, with the interference and the inability of our federal government to do anything really meaningful in any length of time, you know, that's reasonable. So we, we pursue this on all different fronts. So we're waiting for the FDA, which is supposed to be August. They'll be, have another rule. There'll be another chance for people to weigh in. One of the things that we wanted changed from the first draft rule is that they would still allow these products to be manufactured in the United States, but they couldn't be sold. So we don't want our country manufacturing something to ship out to kill other people that we have decided Americans should not have anymore because it's so deadly and so addictive. So we want that change. And so there'll be some opportunities for people to weigh in and to influence and to perhaps mold the, the final rule that will come out. But in the interim, we keep fighting. And so California in 2020, we passed a law to take a hard fought law that was bipartisan to take menthol and flavored tobacco. The other thing we're not talking about are the little cigars and the cigarillos. So that's the black and mouths, the backwoods, the Swisher Sweets, these cheap products that were wholly left in, out of the Tobacco Control Act that black and brown young people smoke. And now those young people are 40. But, you know, that started out with blunts that intersection of marijuana and, and tobacco, um, and that addicted a whole generation of our young men because of that intersection of, of marijuana and tobacco. But so the, so the law, so California at, enacted the law, the tobacco industry collected signatures, put it on the ballot as a referendum. So now just this November, we voted, California's voted by 60% to uphold the law that we had passed and to take these products off the market. So as we speak, the products are, are off of the shelves. We're in the process of, 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 of seeing what's, where we are because it's a huge thing, it's a huge state. But in the meantime, the industry has new products for California. Um, and so they have new products that, that don't have menthol, but that mimic the effects of menthol, some chemicals. And that's, that's on the market right now. They have special advertising for California only, California We've Got You Covered, which is a play on our Obamacare Cal covered California um, to keep us addicted to these products. And this is where our own people, we have to have services. We have to recognize that we have to give these products up, that we can stop smoking. And that even if you are a smoker and you think you can never stop, do you want that for your children? Do you want that yeah. for you, the next generation of our of our of our people? Yeah. And, you know, Carol, I said this is about tobacco 
But you mentioned the, 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 the intersection of marijuana and tobacco with that blunt thing, and that was precisely what I was getting at before. I didn't want to jump too far into that, but just give me some thoughts on how you handle that, um, you know, because, yeah, you know, it may start that way, but then, you know, it, people graduate from the tobacco to just straight up weed, you know, and just. Mm -hmm. Right. So right. You, and so this was an issue. And this is where that public health piece comes in that because we we fight on so many fronts Our the AATCLC. So we were at we were advocating for some research to be done back when this practice was started. But but we couldn't touch it. So so for the last 20 years or 15 years, we've just had this proliferating these blunts with the with the marijuana and the and the leaves and we wanted some we wanted some public health to get involved in this issue which they did not until now we've changed you know the, the laws have changed so it's a it's a huge issue and our point was that it was a way that our kids were getting addicted to nicotine through holding with the blunt you're holding this product in, the smoke in your lungs as long as you can that's how you use marijuana to get high so what are the effects then of having the, the tobacco, the nicotine, the other flavors that are in there where you're purposefully holding it in your lungs as long as you can? How is that going to affect our health in 20 years of all these uh, black and brown folks that have been doing this? So, you know, that's another story, as we said, another conversation, but it is an issue of concern for us. Well, I'm glad to hear that it is an issue of concern for you. And uh, we've almost run out of time today for this particular session, but I can guarantee you that I'll make a request to ask you back on colors because this is one of a plethora of issues that I think are now, I won't say coming of age, but I will say the people are now coming of age or at least becoming um, <clears throat> enlightened to the point yes. where they recognize and I and I want to mention that so the state of Maryland is in play right now to have a state law yes. to take these products off the market. And so, you know, we're, we're going to keep working quilt by piece by piece. And so each city is important. Each state is important. Um, yeah. You know, Maryland has Baltimore, which is ground zero for Newports and all, a lot of ill that's happened to our people. And so we want to uh, really wrap our arms around and support this as a people and also support getting our people off these products. And then, and then I just want to give a shout out for No Menthol Sunday, which is our African-American expression of World No Tobacco Day. And this year it will be May, Sunday, May 17th, May 21st. Sunday, May 21st. And there will, if you go to savingblacklives.org, Black you can get on our list and we will give you ways that you can support this in your own community, ways that you can support black smokers because no one loves a black smoker more than we do. That's why we are, that's why we are doing this is for black smokers and for our people. Um, so wow. I just have really enjoyed speaking with you today. Um, people need to pay attention because this issue is for us. We have, we have been at the head of this fight. Black people have been at the head of this fight, have kept this issue alive. And now we are today in 2023, and we're hoping that the FDA is going to do the right thing. Um, you know, we have a president who's very interested in cancer. And of course, tobacco is one of the biggest contributors to cancer, causes of cancer. So we are looking for great things in 2023, and we want our folks to be on board with us. All right. Well, thank you. I was going to ask you if you had anything you wanted to add, but I'm thinking that was it, and I'm going to knock it off right now. <laughs> 
Thank this, you so much. In this conversation so you can get on with the rest of your work. But All right. And I'll come back anytime. Carol, so thank you. We've been talking with Carol Magruder, who's the co-chair of the African-American Control Leadership Council. Carol, thank you very much. Thank you. Stay tuned for some thoughts about race in America and details about our next guest. You're listening to Colors. My name is Gretchen Soren. I'm African-American and I live in Springfield Center, New York. My mother was an elementary school teacher and my younger brother had an innate ability to draw. And I remember in the 1960s, my mother got him to draw the faces of famous African-Americans, Ida B. Wells, George Washington Carver, Charles Drew, Thurgood Marshall. He drew their faces on cardboard and we colored them and cut them out and my mother used them during Black History Month at school to teach the kids in Newark, New Jersey about African-American history. I learned those stories too, and these were stories that I didn't learn at school. I didn't realize then that African-American history was American history. The United States that we live in today is a nation that we built together, blacks and whites, Latinx people, immigrants. Black History Month is about expanding the American story to include all of the people who have made us who we are as a nation. And it's about understanding that the struggle of people of African descent for full equality in American society has pushed our country to live up to its stated ideals. And at times that's been tough. Democracies require vigilance and constant work. And those groups who keep civil rights and voting rights on the front burner help us to maintain our democracy and I still have all those cardboard heads that my mother and brother made years ago. This is Colors, a dialogue on race in America. If you have any questions or comments about Colors, send us an email. You can reach us at colors at thecolorspodcast.com. That's colors at thecolorspodcast.com. My name is John Echohawk. I'm uh, a citizen of the Pawnee Nation of Oklahoma. Julie Pham, Vietnamese, American, born in Vietnam, living in Seattle. My name is Wendell Osbrook, uh, African-American, uh, Washingtonian. My name is Charlie Locke. I'm white, and I'm from Oakland, California. Coming up in our next episode of Colors. Women of color who are journalists have always faced tremendous backlash, but now they and all women, frankly, are facing something that's far worse than it's ever been. What we've found is that women journalists pretty much everywhere in the world are, are, are getting attacked by uh, people online uh, in ways that are vicious and extremely personal. Craig Timberg, an editor at The Washington Post, talking about their collaborative series and the growing attacks on women journalists online. Um, in some cases, their work is attacked, but at other times, um, uh, they're being, you know, they're using tools to put up fake images of them, um, you know, in pornographic poses. They're showing them being hit by drone strikes. There's this apparently this like deep, intense anger. Why is this happening? Where is it happening? And what to do about it? That's coming up in our next episode of Colors. Thank you, everybody, for everything. Thank you, Offshank. Thank you, Jesse Gallagher. Thank you, Cosmic, for the music. Thank you to all the people that help us to book these shows. Thank you to Hillary Howard. Thank you to Mike Jakaitis. Thank you to Nanda Dessou. Thank you to Whitney Bright. Thank you to Sierra Franklin. Everybody, 
Um, but most of all, thank you for listening. And just remember, keep talking to each other. And just as important, keep listening to each other. You can subscribe to Colors wherever you get your podcasts. This is Colors, a dialogue on race in America.